Welcome to The Andy Lowe Show. I'm Andy Lowe, giving you the conversations you never knew you needed to have. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about bees, a wasp, and the honeypot, a Buddhist story. I've been thinking a lot about bees recently. I've been watching a lot of videos about bees, and I've been unknowingly so learning a little bit more about the different types of bees and their behavioral patterns and how they operate as one big hive. This got me thinking. Through years, I've kind of developed a, a mistrust for bees. This really didn't stem from anything in particular. The only time I got stung by a bee was a bumblebee. It was one of my earliest memories. I must have been about four years old. And I saw a bumblebee just in amongst some lavender. And I thought to myself, is this bee dead or alive? Is it moving? I'll just poke it with my finger. That's the, the mind of a child, or at least that's my mind. So I poked it with my finger, my index finger, I remember. And the bee sort of stirred a bit, probably wondered who this twat was, <laughs> and attacked me. And it stung me, and I ran off crying. I was most distressed. And obviously, knowing a bumblebee, the bee died. That was really the only time I've ever been stung by a bee. But yeah, over the years, there's been a mistrust. But yeah, if I go outside and I go on a walk, whether it's in the woods, along the beach, or some sort of hiking path, I see Hundreds of dogs. I'm not scared at all, no matter the breed, the size, anything. I was in amongst dogs growing up as a kid, so I understand most of their behavioural patterns. But even still, some dogs can bite through bone. A bee can sting you, and I know I'm not allergic, so there's nothing to worry about there. So where did this mistrust come from? I don't think it was the bee. It got me thinking inwards. This is from me and my own personal angst towards a bee. And over the years, I've been somewhat conscious of this and realised actually they're just bees and they're going about their way and they probably won't do anything to anyone unless you give them an absolute definitive reason to, which of course nine out of ten cats will never do. I know a lot of people out there have an irrational fear of bees and wasps because it happens so much so that I've coined the term and the term is bee dance. Whenever you see someone and you can't see the bee or the wasp at this point, you're way too far away. But what you can see is that distinctive dance that everyone does when a bee or a wasp is near them. Their arms go up, they're flailing around, they're swatting their own hair, they're twisting and turning. They might even jog for four seconds forwards and then they'll dark back if not to try and confuse the wasp and then they'll look at their friend and most likely ask, is it near me? Is it on me? And they'll twist and turn and they'll pat themselves down. There's no music playing. And everyone knows exactly what that is because everyone does the same bee dance. It's probably been innate since the dawn of mankind that Neanderthals and primates have always, always had the bee dance. So whenever you see it from now on, you know what it's called. Okay, so what about wasps? How do I stand on wasps? Well, as I was sort of thinking about these stories, naturally, I try and recount, have I ever I been stung by a wasp? And actually, once I did, I did get stung by a wasp. Now, this may or may not have been my fault, I'll let you decide. At the time I was in college, I was doing uh, performing arts, and I was rehearsing for a play. And amongst many breaks, we went outside. There was a whole troop of us, and we're out there in the middle of the courtyard, and there's loads of other kids 
uh, college kids on their break as well from their other lessons. There's hundreds of kids in this one courtyard area of loads of wooden benches. I'm going through my lines, being as thespian as I can. And I'm, I'm at the same time, I'm having a puff from one of my mate's cigarettes. And I see a wasp on the bench. It's around September time. I thought to myself, oh, silly wasp. Blew some smoke on it. Anyway, the wasp sort of rolled a bit and then fell onto the floor. Didn't think anything of it. So I carry on there, prancing around as I do. And lo and behold, what do I feel? I feel something. The sharp sensation of what can only be described as a wasp stinging my bum. Then occurred to me I was wearing bootleg jeans. Within the span of about a millisecond, I completely concluded and deduced that the wasp had crawled up through my bootleg trousers, up into my boxes, nestled there somewhere on the outside of my crack and began stinging away. Of course, I knew this all too well. So what do I do? The only thing I can do, I whip down my pants and my jeans as fast as humanly possible. Of course, was given a deep manly cry. That way, everyone in the courtyard, hundreds of people can look at me beforehand to see what, why is this madman shouting for no reason. And then closely followed up by me whipping off my kegs. As I then managed, I don't know if you've ever tried to walk with your jeans around your ankles, but you don't move particularly fast. So everyone's looking at me now, bum and toe, walking her off with my hands all over my junk. And I go, <laughs> I try and make a quick exit as fast as I can. And I look down and I see that little wasp fly away. So I get into the classroom a bit later. Don't know how long it took for everyone else to stop laughing. Probably would have been a personal record. And I get there and my tutor tells me it's September time though. Wasps are actually quite dangerous this time of year. You need to go and see the nurse. Good Lord. So I have to go and see the nurse. And then I've got some 50-odd-year-old lady rubbing cream onto my bum. A nice soothing lotion. So actually, when I do think about it, um, there is reason for me to not trust wasps. Because that not only took a little bit of malice, that also looked to me like a bit of forward planning. Like the wasp knew in advance, I have to crawl inside his pants and trousers, and then sting him. That way he can show absolutely everyone in the courtyard his jiggly bollocks. Well, it won. And uh, that wasp is up there now laughing his tits off as I recall this. Let's move on to a story that involves honey. About a Buddhist monk. Buddhist monk is walking through the forest. All of a sudden, sees a tiger. Tiger runs behind him, snarling, gritting his teeth chases him down. The monk thankfully sees a well. He dives into the well, but before he hits the bottom of the well, he sees a snake at the bottom. Thankfully, there's a root branch sticking out of the well, and he grabs onto it. So now he's just hanging in the well, suspended by his own grip, holding onto the branch for dear life as a snake is underneath him and a tiger is above him. And he, he thinks to himself, this can't get any worse. How could it get worse? The average day in a monk's life, I bet, is somewhat turbulent after listening to this story. And then a mouse creeps out and it starts gnawing on the branch. The monk closes his eyes and he remembers his training, years of devout training and meditation and vigorous and vigorous years of training. And as he's just hanging there, wondering what to do, he looks up and he sees a beehive and there's honey pouring out of it and it drips. And he opens his mouth and the honey falls into his mouth and he closes his eyes and he captures the moment and the feeling of that sweet honey as he drinks it. 
Now, this in itself, what I'm just going to interject here, I think serves as a reminder that even in the darkest times, even when all hope seems lost, you must distract yourself from the future or the possible future that you think you know, that you think is upon you, and enjoy the goodness when it's there. Now, when he opens his eyes, he sees the tiger growing increasingly angry, the snake hissing even more. The tiger takes a swipe, but he leaned in too far. The tiger leaned in, fell, lands on the snake, kills the snake, tiger breaks his neck. The monk before the mouse had a chance to chew off the rest of the branch. He climbs out and he's free. And he carries on, he makes his way back to the temple. And that is the story of the Buddhist monk. The main takeaway is you just do not know what the future has in store for you, even when it looks like a certain event is bound to happen. And even if it looks just hideously bad, you don't know. There are no certainties. The past, when you look back, the further back you go, the more unreal it seems, the more disorientating it is. The future is the same. The more you look forwards, the more obscure and you're second guessing yourself at every turn because the many branches of the future can stream off in a million different ways and you don't know. So the big takeaway is for me in that story is that the future, not only is it ever changing and evolving and adapting, but let it surprise you. Try not to predict everything in your life. Let there be surprises. Just you being aware of that that opens up more possibilities for better surprises for you. I've been Andy Lowe, you've been great. And before I end this episode, do not forget to share this with a friend or give a five-star review. That would really help me out and support the channel. See you in the next episode.